Welcome to the Building Great Lives podcast, a podcast about real life, real issues, and finding real answers to life's most difficult questions. And now your host, Trent Gillum. Greetings, everyone. Trent here. Welcome to episode number 76 of the podcast. I'm glad you've joined the Building Great Lives journey. Before we get started, as always, I'd like to say a huge thank you to our monthly ministry partners, and of course to you, the listener, you make this ministry possible, and I'm excited to have each of you on the Building Great Lives team. Here at the Building Great Lives podcast, it's our desire to help people from around the world grow, heal, discover, and fulfill their unique purpose. Thank you for sharing these episodes. We're praying these messages of hope reach every possible person in every possible nation. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the inner man, our inner selves, overcoming the part of us that we would prefer no one ever see. The Bible talks about the two sides of man, the side people see and the inner side that no one knows but us. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And while this text offers many worthwhile discussions, the simple point is this, man can be different on the outside, and the inside. It's important to note that this isn't implying that man is intentionally trying to be deceptive. This episode is meant to offer comfort and hope to those with inner struggles. In other words, this episode is directed to those that are eager to overcome, that the inner man come in alignment with the outer man. The famous writer Mark Twain wrote, what a wee little part of a person's life are his acts and his words. His real life is led in his head and is known to none but himself. It should be our desire to have our private life and public perception align. Now, I agree with Mark Twain, a person's life is often led in their private self as well. However, I would like to add, although we can keep things hid from others, they are never hid from God. The prophet Jeremiah posed the question, who can know the heart? And the psalmist answered in Psalms 44 and verse 21, Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. The heart in this scripture isn't referring to the human organ that beats pumping blood to the human body. It's referring to the inner man, the 
other us, the hidden us. While we can keep some things hidden from our family and friends, God knows all things, for nothing is hidden from him. To some, it may seem scary that God knows everything about them, but this shouldn't scare us. This should actually bring us comfort. Our all-knowing God knows us completely, yet still loves us wholly. He knows the depth of our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual struggles. He knows the inner us we don't want anyone else to know, yet he still loves us and desires to help us. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 declares God doesn't desire for any of us to perish. Perish in this text means to be destroyed or rendered useless. It's not God's will for you to be rendered useless. It's God's desire to help. God is not looking for opportunities to hurt you. God is looking for ways to heal you. So God knowing your inner man isn't something to fear. It's something to celebrate. It's an opportunity for God to heal you and restore you and make the inner man that no one sees align with the perception that everyone sees on the outside. In other words, you don't have to be afraid or embarrassed that God knows your heart, that inner man. It's an opportunity for God to change you for the better. From the outward appearance, Jacob was extremely successful. However, there were two sides to Jacob. It was common knowledge in biblical times that names represented a person's life trajectory or their character. Jacob means surplanter, liar, or one who deceives. He was one who takes advantage of others during their weakest moments. We find this in two main occasions. First, Jacob took advantage of his brother Esau. In Genesis chapter 25, we know that Jacob took advantage of his brother being weary and hungry. He used this as an opportunity to take his birthright. One day while Esau is out hunting, Jacob is at home cooking lentil stew. And when an exhausted Esau returns famished from hunting, and this is Jacob's opportunity. First, sell me your birthright, he says. The birthright involved the legal rights of the firstborn to a double portion of the inheritance. And although Esau, the firstborn, was foolish enough to part with his legal rights, Jacob exploited his weakness and took advantage of him. And in our second example, Jacob also deceives his father Isaac. In Genesis chapter 27, Jacob's acquisition of his father's blessing is deceptive, fraudulent, and unrighteous. Isaac is now 135 years old, bedridden and blind. Jacob's mother, Rebekah, overhears Isaac telling Esau to hunt him some venison, cook it for him, and then receive the formal father-to-son blessing of the firstborn before Isaac dies. Rebekah runs and tells her favorite son, Jacob, prepare a well-cooked meal of livestock and your father will never know the difference. 
Rebecca then tells him to wear some of his brother's gamey smelling clothing to make his blind father think it was Esau he was speaking to. Put on goatskin pieces on your arms and neck to simulate Esau's hairiness. Jacob follows his mother's instruction and thus begins the deception. Isaac seems to suspect something and asks Jacob directly, Are you really my son Esau? And Jacob, true to his name, without hesitation, replies, I am. And later, when Isaac realizes what has happened, he calls this deceit. Isaac said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. And Esau said, he has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he has taken my blessing. Esau remarks that Jacob, whose name means supplanter and deceiver, has acted in accordance to his name. Yet from all outward appearances, Jacob became very successful. When those that didn't know him saw him, he appeared to be the model of success. Jacob became very wealthy. He had wives, children, servants, and many different herds. From all outward appearances, he was a success. Yet on the inside, things were much different. We know that Jacob had become very wealthy for when he was trying to make things right with his brother Esau, he sent flocks to him as a gift. Jacob sent his brother Esau 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. Jacob, although outwardly successful, had inner struggles that required an encounter with God to correct. No amount of servants, goats, rams, camels, donkeys, and cattle could make up for who Jacob was on the inside. Who he appeared to be to those that were casual onlookers was different than who he was on the inside. God's goal is to get the man that is hidden to come in alignment with the man that is perceived. Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 28, he wrestles with an angel of the Lord. The angel asks Jacob this question, what is your name? Now, we must ask ourselves, did the angel really not know in whom he was wrestling with? I say the angel clearly knew that this is Jacob. The angel is not asking a question looking for information, whom am I wrestling with? The same as the Lord in the garden said, Adam, where art thou? God did not need to know where Adam was at. God was asking Adam, You need to answer the question, where are you? And now in Genesis chapter 32, we find the same theme happening when the angel asks Jacob, what is your name? It's not that the angel does not know in whom he wrestles. The angel is saying, you, Jacob, need to deal with who you are. Because Jacob knew in the admitting of his name, he is admitting to who the inner man is. And there Jacob wrestled with more Then an angel of the Lord, Jacob, wrestled with himself. And when the angel asked him, what is thy name? He says, my name is 
Jacob. And in that moment, he is admitting the inner man does not match up with the success of the outer man. And in that moment of admitting, the angel looked at him and said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. The changing of his name represented the changing of his character. And while many times we find Jacob, which became Israel, and Israel as a nation struggling back and forth with their inner man, we find that every time they turn themselves to God, God worked things out for them. And some of you right now are wrestling with the inner man, and God is saying to you, I did not come to condemn you because of what you are struggling with or what you are dealing with on the inside, but I came to heal you and make a way for you that you can overcome that hidden man that no one sees. David also dealt with his inner self. David was called by God, anointed by Samuel. He defeated a bear, a lion, and a giant, and many armies that rose up against the people of God. But when kings went to war, David stayed in Jerusalem and instead sent Joab to fight for him. It was in this setting that David sinned with Bathsheba when his cover-up failed. David had her husband killed. And for nearly a year, David attempted to cover up his sins. But God does not allow his children to sin successfully. For a year, David is trying trying to live two lives, the outward perception of king, but the inward man has fallen far from God. To the casual onlooker, David looked like a success. He is the king, but on the inside, David was torn and in need of God's help. Psalms chapter 51, David gives us a beautiful example of repentance and the psalmist declared in Psalms 51 and 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. The focus is on the innermost self from which obedient actions flow. Inward being secret heart, clean heart, right spirit. The goal of David's confession is not self-absorbed, but it's renewal of joy and gladness in God's presence that only comes with getting the hidden man of the heart right with God. Now he asks God for truth and wisdom in his innermost self. David understood God desires to help the inner man overcome. And if God will help Jacob and God will help David, then surely God will help you as well. It is common for many of us to have inner struggles, inner fears, things that attempt to control our lives. God is wanting us to rise up and not be afraid to come to him and say, Lord, I need you to help the inner man align with who I want to be and who I am called to be. And when we refuse to try to hide from God what God already knows, and we come to him with honest expressions 
of need and desire for change. God will not reject you. God will not turn you aside. God will help you overcome the thing that you wrestle with the most, that inner feeling, that inner worry, that inner struggle, things that have come upon you because of the things that you have experienced and the things that you have been through. God saying, that's not the you I've called you to be. I have called you to overcome those inner struggles, that inner man, that part of you that you're hiding from everyone else. The Lord says, that real you that's trying to condemn you, I want to heal that man. I want to heal that inner person that is driving you, that's making you feel like that you can't make it. God is for you. God is making a way for you. And that inner man, that real man that you don't want anyone to know about, those thoughts you don't want anyone to know you think, those feelings you don't want anyone to know that you have those struggles you don't want anybody to know about. The Lord is saying, I know the inner man and I have not rejected you, but I have made a way for you. And if you will come to the Lord, listener, I'm telling you right now, God will deliver that inner man, that desire that you have to become anointed and to be used by God will become reality because the inner man, if he remains hidden, locked inside in a place where you will not allow God to touch, it will finally consume you. But if you will recognize the moment, if you'll recognize the opportunity that God is saying, I want to deliver that man, I want to make that inner man come in alignment with the perception of the outer man, God is going to make a way for you. You don't have to fear him. We so often perceive God's response to us by how we have seen others respond to us. Too often because we have been rejected by family or rejected by a close loved one, maybe a father, maybe a mother, so often we think that God will reject us as well. We place so much of our experiences in life and how our relationships have broken or been affected We place that upon God, and we think that God will naturally respond to us the same way. We look at others, and we base our friendships on their strengths. We do not look for others and pick them because of their weaknesses. And because of that, we think that God will do the same to us. But that is not how God works. God does not see nor think in the same terms that we do. God looks on the heart of a man and says, I can heal that. I can touch that. I can work with that. Listener, I don't know what you're struggling with, and I don't know how long you've been struggling with it, but I want you to know just because you were rejected by someone does not mean that God is going to treat you the same way. No, God loves you so much that he robed himself in flesh and suffered and died and rose again for you because he believes in in you and the purpose that he has called you to. And just because others have rejected you, I know it hurts and I know it's painful and I know it affects how we think. Don't place that same upon God for he will never leave us nor forsake us. For he looks at us and he says, I will not abandon you in your time of need for when we have need, it draws God close to us. The Lord is saying, listener, I want you to know I love you just the way you are. 
I love you wholly, but I also love you enough not to leave you broken, but to heal you and make you whole again. And as has become our tradition here at the Building Great Lives podcast, I want to pray for you, listener. I want to pray that God would give you strength right now to overcome. Lord, I know it's not always easy for us to be honest with you and in prayer reveal our innermost thoughts. And sometimes it feels extremely scary to know that you already know. But God, you have never misunderstood a thought. You have never rejected an honest heart. And God, I pray that you would give every listener the strength right now to come to you and openly admit, this is where I am weak. And God, I know that when they do that, you will take their weakness and turn it into strength because you have created us to be successful. You have created us to overcome. You have created us to overcome the inner man so that we can not only be successful on the outside, but we can be mentally, emotionally, and spiritually successful on the inside. And as always, thank you so much for listening. In the meantime, please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. Maybe text them the link or share it on your social. You can find me on social at Trent Gillum. That's G-I-L-L-I-A-M. On Instagram at Rev Gillum. You can also reach me at Building Great Lives Podcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, let's keep building. You've been listening to the Building Great Lives podcast, a member of the Real Life Church Network. Join us next time as we dig deeper into life's most challenging questions.